Hello, my friends. Welcome to the Robcast. This is episode 326. And apparently this episode is about the apparently this is a tomato episode. Ah, God. Because I had this idea for an episode about this tomato that I had three weeks ago. And I was like, oh, that's a good, oh, that's a good Robcast episode right there. And I made multiple versions. I had notes. I kept little notes. I had a, can you hear it right there? I had some notes. I swear, I must have, I don't know, 10, 20 times tried to make it. And I just couldn't do it. The episode was called, apparently, This is a Tomato. I mean, right there, you know that episode is just going to be amazing. But, oh, man, it just, and obviously, I know a lot of you are like, yeah, Rob, but Mercury's in retrograde, and that has everything to do with difficult communication, so what were you thinking? I know. There's also some other factors about why I didn't do that episode um, that I want to tell you about, that I want you to know about, because it's important to talk about. Um, so... I'm going to tell you why it was so difficult. And um, yeah, cause that's, that's, that's what I want to do in this episode. And uh, oh, I got to tell you about tour, which starts on the, th what is it? The 30th of June, Amsterdam, then Oslo, Stockholm, Copenhagen, Berlin, Bristol, Glasgow, Belfast, Dublin, Brighton, London, Manchester. Uh, I love going out and meeting new people. Tour is also, what's the word for it? Uh, there's a vulnerability to it, like a sort of tenderness, because you don't, e you don't even know what it's going to be. That's a good way to put it. Um, it may just be a few people. And actually, it's the shows where only a few people have showed up over the years that stand out to me. Isn't that interesting? It's the ones where I was like, uh, oh, uh, or the ones that were going to get canceled, but I was like, no, just, just do it anyway. And uh, those are always the ones, actually, that I look back on. So I'm going to some places I've never been to before. I'm, gone to, I'm going to some places where, like, only a few people showed up last time. <laughs> and uh, that's what we do. And especially this new Everything is Spiritual show, which um, gets created with the audience. So I kind of know what's going to happen, and I also very much don't know what's going to happen. And the audience figures that out right away, like, oh, wait, this, he's actually, this is just happening in real time. So, um, yeah, going to new places, we'll see how it goes. We'll see if anybody shows up. We'll see what happens with all that, let alone all of the, you know, COVID, post-COVID travel, all the just weirdness that that still sort of is in the air. So... If you are in those areas, I'm telling you, as of right now, I am going to be there, and we are going to have ourselves and everything a spiritual experience. Also, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes. Kristen Bell, a.k.a. the most fantastic tour manager, has that thing. Ticket, lots of tickets, trains, planes, all that, hotels, the bells. We will be there. We will be there. Car rentals, yeah. By the way... That's one of our favorite things. Um, we're not really the sit on the beach type. You know, my, uh, 
and I think I, I know I speak for Kristen on this, our favorite thing is to rent a car in some area we've never been and just drive around and see oh, what happens. Yeah. So walking, but renting, I'm telling you, give me like a little rental car in some country I've never been in. Oh, the best. Ah, oh, just the best. Um, and then I'm doing sessions on Saturday mornings. So it's all about new creation. That's the only game we've ever really been playing, right? Is like, who are you? Where are you? What do you want to do next? Uh, let's see what what's unfolding for you. So um, I'm doing writing sessions, speaking, and then the business of it. So whatever you're working on, you bring the question you have about what you're doing. And then I start asking you questions and take you through a process. And uh, mm, mm, so good. Whew. So anyway, there are still there are there are spots for those sessions which run, you know, through June on Saturday mornings. So join me in the back house in the sky, and we'll sort all that through. Um, because apparently, this episode is about the apparently this is a tomato episode, and I was gonna do this whole thing about this tomato that I tasted, but I just couldn't, it's like I would sit down at the mic and try it and be like, that isn't it. It was like I was forcing it. Um, I've had this happen before. It's somewhat cyclical. Uh, you keep going. That's how I would say it. In the most heartfelt way, you keep going. And you could park it at any moment. You could stop. You could settle down. But there's something about the discovery and the exploration and the expansion. It's like it speaks to who you are and what you're doing here at some deep level. And maybe you kept going, but then you had people around you who stopped. They're like, this is good. This is good. But you were like, nah, I know there's more. Or maybe you came to this moment of, of like, oh, wow, if I keep going, I'm way past where I came from. My normal ways of sort of stabilizing myself, I'm leaving a number of those behind. Um, and if you keep going, it's almost like you, you gain a head of steam. You get this momentum going where the joy of the process and the struggle just becomes normal. Like, yeah, we keep going. We keep going. And I met lots of you who have said similar things. You've said things like, God, I'm not, I'm not who I was five years ago. I'm not who I was two weeks ago. <laughs> So in, in many ways, this episode is for those of you who are like, I just keep following it, and it has these moments that are so destabilizing. Sometimes it feels like something's ending. It just feels like an end. And sometimes you have the next thing. Other times it's just, no, this is ending. I, whatever that is, I played it out. Whatever I was working out there, I worked out. Whatever I'm following... It's inviting, it's nudging, it's drawing. It's like a magnetic pull in a particular direction. Sometimes it feels like a death. 
here. Sometimes it feels like like there was something that you were holding on to that helped you understand who you are. It helped guide you. It gave you a sense of meaning, significance, some grasping or clinging. And as you know, whenever there's grasping and clinging, then there will be the invitation to let go. Now, that's the other word for death. Death means to let go. Um, something that gave you a sense of rightness, a sense of security, a sense of place, a sense of location, and then that grasping, clinging, you, you sent, oh, it's time to let go of that. Sometimes it's a job title. Sometimes it's even you're at a party and you have a clear way of talking about what you do. Um, and then you're like, wow, if I do this next thing, if I actually trust this and walk slowly into it, I'm leaving behind that thing that used to be a very nice and neat, clear way that the people around me understood who I am. I'm not even quite sure. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's a thing that you were carrying, and then you suddenly are like, wait, I don't need that anymore. That's actually heavy. At one point, you picked it up because it was like, this is amazing. Look at this thing. And then down the road, you're like, ooh, now this, suddenly that thing that was once like really helpful, it's now just heavy. It's now just superfluous. It's just clutter. Sometimes it's an assumption that you are living with, that this is just what you do, who you are, where you live, who you're in relationship with, all, and suddenly or gradually, you see it, and you see how what you assumed was just how it is, is actually something constructed, and it's actually quite malleable. You can take it apart. You can put it in recycling, and you can be on your way. Yeah. But in those moments, it, uh, sometimes you don't have anything to say. That's what happens to me. That's a tricky thing as I talk about this. But then there are moments when I'm in it and talking about it. It's hard, it's hard to talk about it because I'm in it, because I'm experiencing that death. I'm experiencing that, oh, something is ending, and it can be disorienting. Or sometimes, honestly, anger. Sometimes you, you tap into a whole, uh, especially those of you doing shadow work, going back through family of origin, going back through uh, like some wound or you have something that like sets you off or you have some pattern that you have become aware of. <clears throat> like, oh, when things get like this, I do that. And uh, there's tremendous emotion there. And sometimes because of, I mean, I honestly, so much stuff happens when we're a kid. We didn't like reason our way into it. And so it's like a deep feeling. <clears throat> And all you know right now is there's a bunch of stuff because the body is stores all this, and then suddenly all this emotion starts coming out, and you don't even in the moment know specifically where it's coming from. You're just raging, <clears throat> or you're limping, or you're like hoarse. Your your speaking voice is shaky, or it's just all a little wobbly. Uh, yeah, any of this sound familiar? <laughs> And in those moments, if someone was like, what's going on? You're like, uh, I've been sitting in my backyard for three days straight. That's what's going on. Just letting it. You can't rush this. You can't 
force it. Uh, sometimes it feels like a feeling that uh, just has to work its way through the body. And especially if your conditioning was all around um, empowerment and just tackling your problems, something that will not allow itself to be tackled can be so maddening because you're like, well, just tell me what to do. Uh, when you're dying, nothing. Yeah. Hey, you want to die and then experience a rebirth? Okay, well, then you have to die. And dying isn't something that you can speed up. Uh, and oftentimes the mind puts a template on it. The mind says this should be taking... This shouldn't be taking so long compared to what? The last time you were in May of 2022 going through this exact thing, the mind is endlessly racing to evaluate it and judge it when it is an experience that you simply go through. No one knows exactly how long a dark night of the soul takes. Might be nights, might be months, might be a fortnight. Might be years. Who knows? Yeah. So I've been in one of those. And I'm sitting here at this desk trying to make a Robcast. And this thing just won't come. <laughs> and maybe some of you are like me. You have a partner who is doesn't just move, isn't just as serious about this and moving as fast, but maybe even moving faster. And so there's two of you. So you're like going through this and this, this thing becomes like a way of life because uh, you used to think, oh, this is like a thing I'll go through and then I'll be out the other side and then from there we'll be fine. But what that subtly is is arrival thinking. And then at some point we'll just be there. But then you come to discover that there is no there there. That the process of expansion, it is, yeah, it's more and more and more liberation. It's fantastic. You aren't who you were. Somebody says like, oh, you know, you, so you're really into whatever. And you're like, into that? What? That was like 17 months ago. What are you talking about? This is another lifetime ago. <laughs> I wrote a book that came out in 2020 called Everything is Spiritual. That feels like a different lifetime. Like, oh, remember that guy? That... That, that guy from way back then, yeah, and so that's why time starts to be real bendy. It's because you're here, you're learning this, this has been revealed to you, you see now this pattern, you see where you're headed next, you see the freedom, you see the newfound insight, oh, and that's all you got, that's all you got, so you trust it. And you keep going. So I'm, so I'm going through one of those right now. Have I said that like five times already? And, but yet, I have this idea for this Robcast, but I can't make this thing go. So after trying it like 10 times, um, and then I would like take the file and just erase all my attempts. And I, I got so frustrated that I took the notes I'd had about the episode, and I put them in the recycling. I, I folded, I like scrunched them up into a ball like you do when you're like, enough of that. And I was like, I'm, I'm tired of fighting this. <laughs> I just don't have anything to say right now. And um, I put them in the recycling. And then, uh, I think it was later that day, I told Kristen, yeah, that I've been trying for like days to make that episode about that tomato. 
and uh, I just, yeah, it's just not, I can't do it. It's just, just trying to, I can't for. And she said, she laughed and she was like, isn't that kind of what the episode was about? <laughs> She's like, isn't that what the episode is about? Wasn't that the point you were making? Cause you told me that tomato story. And I was like, Oh God, are you serious? So I went and I, <laughs> I was like, I should do an episode about the tomato episode. As soon as I had that, I was like, oh, okay, there was an episode then. I'm going to do an episode about how frustrating and maddening it is to make this tomato episode because I was trying to force it when I just got nothing. I got nothing for you right now other than this tomato story, which I couldn't even do. Couldn't even tell you a story about a tomato. Um, by the way, you can do what you do for years and years and years, and it doesn't mean there are moments when you have no idea what you're doing. It's actually part of what makes it interesting. It's part of what makes it really, really compelling to be you is you keep returning to this beginner mind where you're like, I sh should I know how to, and then you realize should is even, when I ask any question that begins with, shouldn't I know how to do this? Any question that begins with should, not an interesting question. Uh, so I went in the trash and got out these notes and I have them on my desk here and Kristen comes into the back house this morning, sees them and says, oh, are those the notes that you got out of the trash? <laughs> Uh, so I'm telling you, if nothing else, Kristen Bell thinks that this episode is hilarious, that I'm now sitting in front of a couple crumpled piece of paper. Oh, God. Yeah. Man, oh, man. It's so fitting. It's perfectly fitting, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And Kristen now is in the back house. You, oh, oh you think I should tell them the tomato story? Okay, so... Here's the tomato story. I guess I was going to tell you the tomato story because the episode was going to be called Apparently This is a Tomato. Okay, so here's Apparently This is a Tomato. Sunday mornings, I go to the market. I usually ride my bike. I got this wooden crate on the back of my uh, bike, or I just walk. I got a Trader Joe's, one of those cloth bags I put over my shoulder. Am I giving you enough of the picture here? Um, I go to this, I go to the farmer's market. There's this wonderful French woman who bakes all these things at 4am and then brings them to market. I usually get Violet Madeline's. Do you know Madeline's? Do you have a, uh, a young daughter? Because Madeline's, Violet's crazy about Madeline's. This woman bakes these Madeline's fresh. I often get a croissant from her. And even just talking to her, I feel like a croissant. And, um, a couple weeks ago, there was this woman selling this beet ginger juice that would just punch you in the face, which is my measure of a wonderful pressed juice. It'll punch you in the face. Um, there's this guy, this baker, who takes a blue flour and mixes it into the dough and makes this blue bread with like blue and yellow streaks in it. Sometimes I get a loaf from him. There's this other woman who makes this gluten-free sourdough bread that Kristen loves that weighs like nine pounds. This just like it's like a brick. Sometimes I get that. Um, I got these these guys who make this hummus. They make a chipotle black bean hummus that would oh, fuel a revolution. They're called Brothers. That's literally the name. Brothers make this hummus. Mm -mm. Then there's a guy named Oscar who makes these cactus tortillas. Literally corny. Mixes cactus in with them. So I got my peoples. I got my peeps. They hook me up. Um, I go from different ones. And then on the right, there's um, a bunch of produce ones. There's two organic ones, one on the right, one on the left. Um, and the guy down on the left, the organic farmer from Carpentria, his name was Jose. I'm telling you, his produce, this stuff, it's like a choir. 
It's like singing when you walk into his little tent. So I get my lettuce, cilantro, kale, some Brussels sprouts. Strawberries are now in. Three weeks ago, I go into his tent, and he's got a couple little, they actually look like tomatoes. Otherwise, there aren't ever tomatoes. They look like tomatoes with issues. I was like, I said to him, are these tomatoes? And he said, yes, you should taste them. I said, they taste good. He's like, muy bueno. But they have like creases in them, and they're kind of lumpy, and they've just got things they're working through. So I normally don't, he doesn't have uh, tomatoes, so I buy them from either Trader Joe's or Sprouts, where the tomatoes are suspiciously uniform in size, shape, and texture, like they were made in a factory. Still, I love tomatoes. That's fine. I take home these misshapen, questionable-looking tomatoes, and I slice one up and make a sandwich with the blue bread. I am telling you, it's like I've never had a tomato. This it, they, they should come up with a different word for it compared with the tomatoes the rest of the year that I've been eating. Uh, and I know some of you who like garden, you're like, yes, of course. And I know those of you who grow your own, <clears throat> you're the ones who are always like, you never had asparagus. You people have never had asparagus. I know those of you who are like snap peas. If you haven't had snap peas right out of the earth, you haven't had snap peas. So all of you, I get what you're saying because this tomato, and I also kind of understand what all of our people who grow their own have been saying because we have a lemon tree that doesn't do much. And then all of a sudden, a couple times a year, it explodes with these lemons that are seriously working through some issues. And the lemon, like a lemon right off the tree when you make your lemonade, incredible. So I've had experiences of it. You know that thing that happens when you've had an experience and then you have a similar experience, but it suddenly resonates in a whole new way? like you've tasted, but suddenly you taste. And I know that tomatoes, there are places where tomatoes are in season all year, obviously, because a lot of places have tomatoes all the time. I know there are different varietals and different uh, geographies produce different kinds of tomatoes, but this, m my guy, Jose, doesn't have tomatoes. And then he does. And then when he has these tomatoes, it's like, apparently this is a tomato. It's like a whole different experience. By the way, just me trying to, <laughs> just trying to describe for you the shape. Well, uh, two days ago, it's Tuesday now, I'm recording this. Sunday, I was back to see him at the market to get some more tomatoes. And there were tons now, because he told me when I bought those first few, he was like, these are the first few, but next week and the following week, I'll have lots more because now it's tomato season. And this woman and her dude are looking over the table and they're looking at the tomatoes as I come up, and she looks at the exact tomatoes I'm going to buy that have that funny shape, and she says to her, dude, mm -mm, we got to get some of these little fucked up ones. They're really good. <laughs> <laughs> so other people have the same experience. Like they, don't, they, don't, they don't look strong, but wow, they change what we even mean by a tomato. And that was the point I was going to make in the episode, is that my friend Jose the Farmer, is not the least bit concerned that he doesn't have tomatoes, and then he does. He's not rattled by this. He's not bothered by this at all. He doesn't have tomatoes, and it's fine. <laughs>
And then he does have tomatoes, and it's fine. The earth itself isn't that concerned with not having any tomatoes and then producing some tomatoes. You know, like if you were to say to the farmer or to the earth, why can't you do this all year? Maybe the answer would simply be because that's part of the fun of it. Yeah, we don't have any tomatoes, and then we do have tomatoes. That's how I feel about our lemon tree. That thing is quiet, but it's quiet because it's getting ready. <laughs> the absence of lemons is part of the lemons. It's quiet because it's about to put on a show. Yeah, the land lies fallow. Doesn't appear that anything is going on. In exactly the moment in which all that is going on just below the surface is gestating, it's storing up, it's simmering, and then it springs up in new life. So the silence, the space, and the quiet and the absence are all integral to the newness, the production, and the explosion of new life. It's all part of how all of this new comes in to the world. So much so that if you don't pay attention to this deep creational rhythm and it's just constant tomatoes. Yeah, they're fine. But literally the thing that is created out of the absence, that this tomato that I had three years ago is a completely different category. They should call it something else other than tomato. It's so qualitatively different. The reason why, and this episode that I was going to do on the tomato... We're now standing outside of the episode, doing the episode, commenting on the episode we would have done while we're actually doing it. We live in a world that overrides these natural rhythms endlessly. People, people do this all the time to such a degree that it's actually a value in lots of different spaces. The domination, mastery, and overriding of natural rhythms. Even think about this phrase. Somebody used it with me a couple weeks ago, the grind. Well, you know it's a grind. Think about that phrase. It's actually held up as something admirable. You know, so-and-so, they're just, they're just in the grind. The grind is not sustainable. The grind is a whole way of living that says you kind of have to kill yourself in order to whatever, survive, achieve, be successful, etc. It sanctifies scarcity. And it says this whole thing, first and foremost, before everything else, is a struggle. It's a lack of flow with natural rhythms that is baked into the structures of life itself. And notice the people who tell you, yeah, you just got to grind early on, and then later, you know, you can ease up. Those are always the people who haven't eased up later because it's a whole musculature that gets developed. When you override your natural rhythms and the natural rhythms of creation, yeah, they're tomatoes if you want those kind of tomatoes. But they aren't like 
you know, tomatoes. Yeah, that's a whole different experience of life. Or when somebody tells you, well, this is just what it takes. You know, this is just what it takes to be successful, to get to the top, to, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, that presents itself, you know, there's just what it takes as a very empowered, I'm just going after it, the grind, man. It's actually profoundly disempowered. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes we're sad and we're not as productive. Yeah. You want to be reborn, then you die. That takes time and space. You want new ideas? Then you got to listen. And listening doesn't look like you're producing anything. And this addiction to production, this enslavement to efficiency, it's so the water of the world that so many come from. Uh, or do you want to recover? You can't recover from something that you are fully participating in you can't both be recovering from it and fully participating in it. Yeah. Yeah, there are these seasons when the land has to lie fallow. Yeah, you can't be trying to get something out of it. When you're quiet, when you're sitting, when you're not producing much, yeah. Now, the more present you are to your life and the more present you are in your body, and what's happening right now all over the place, and I know many of you know exactly what I'm talking about, is an unbelievable amount of people are becoming present in their bodies in ways they weren't before. You've been stuck in your head, and you're realizing you've been stuck in your head, and once again, awareness of the pattern is how you become free from the pattern. You become aware of it. Oh, I have been revving and stuck in my head, and so your, your mind is getting, becoming integrated into the center of your being. You're living more and more from your heart, which doesn't mean your intellect isn't engaged. It means your intellect is engaged properly. It's in service to something larger, which means you're more and more present in your body. And what happens as you're more and more present in your body is it becomes more and more difficult to numb and push through and override the natural rhythms of creation all around you. You used to be able to just push through. You used to be able to just like, well, what are the numbers I got to hit? And just produce. Just doesn't matter if I'm grieving. Doesn't matter if I'm going through some profoundly disorienting experience that is all about my liberation. Doesn't, you know what? We got to like, got to produce. But if you, uh, perhaps this is you, you are finding it more and more difficult to just go through the motions. You're finding it more and more difficult. Those numbing devices, when you reach for them, you're like, oh, God, I've been doing this for years. I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. By the way, you'll be way more productive if you aren't pushing as hard. That's actually how it works. And what you're going to see, and uh, we're already seeing this, is modern conceptions of time management you're actually going to see whole new ways of understanding time management. Because since the Industrial Revolution, you've had this very sort of limited, reductionistic, I kind of hate using big words, sorry, of like an hour is worth this much of stuff. Um, an hour gets you this much units of production, but people are beginning to realize, oh wow, if I take a walk, then do my email, 
the email goes differently. Yep, yep. So even how we think about effort, how we think about sweat, how we think about number of hours, all this, uh, how we think about time, obviously, I talk about that all the time. Yeah, all of this, all of this is evolving in all sorts of wonderful ways. The farmer, that guy isn't stressed in the slightest bit that he only had three or four tomatoes, which I think I bought them all three weeks ago. He's not bothered by it. Yeah, because he knows. He knows the following week there's going to be more tomatoes, and the following week there's going to be more tomatoes, and then there's gonna, then there's there won't be any more tomatoes for weeks on end. He'll pull up and unload his truck, and there won't be any tomatoes. It's okay, because then at some point it's going to be those first few tomatoes. And that lady and her boyfriend, the guy in that ripped up shirt with the high tops, they're going to walk up and she's going to say, oh, honey, look, I guess I'm going to fucked up tomatoes again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wonder how many of you, there is something about the pace that you know at some deep level, at like the cellular body level, this doesn't, this doesn't work. Yeah, yeah, of course. Your deep knowing knows. Yeah, so you're looking for new rhythms. Yeah, especially those of you who make things and all you've ever known is just put the pedal down and go, make stuff, make stuff, and you're realizing, wait, if I really wanna make some interesting stuff, I have to set down all my tools and walk away. Yeah. And then I'll come back later. And they'll, yeah. You know, all your friends who have gardens, you know what they're always doing? They're always telling you how they have way too much. Have you noticed that? Yeah, they don't have anything, but then when they do have stuff, they're like, oh, God, we got some, we're drowning in kumquats, right? <laughs> how many of you, or you're that person? Yeah, you're like, yeah, it's, it's quiet, but then when it comes, whoo. Yeah, yeah, people who have gardens know exactly what I'm talking about. There is an abundance. There is an abundance that goes way, way, way beyond our efforts. For so many people, the fundamental understanding of creation is I have to rustle it up with my energies. And the shift that you're seeing that perhaps you're experiencing, that we're noticing in all sorts of different spheres, is moving to participation with larger creational energies. The modern era in many ways was about you just creating it out of thin air and you hustling and you posting every day and you, and you're, you're, what you're seeing is more and more people realize, oh, there's a wisdom to these rhythms you're actually participating in far larger energies, very energies that made a bang and made a whole universe. You can participate with them, and it becomes a very, very different experience. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that was the episode I was going to do on that tomato. So, yeah, you can have the regular tomatoes, I guess. You can get them year-round. It's fine. That's a good. I mean, you can make your salsa. You can make your sandwich. That's fine. But, oh, there's a whole other kind of tomato. Yeah, there's a whole other kind of tomato. If you feel like your life is in a rut, 
Let's end with this. If you feel like something is in a rut, stop. Because notice how the musculature, your reflex is to try harder. For so many of us, we have sent the instantly when it feels like something isn't what it could be, our instant response is it's on us. Like, I'm obviously not doing something. I need to learn more. I need to get better. There's some information I don't have. I need to go to the... Per Stop, and instead of doing that, create the space, the silence, the emptiness, because all forms come out of formlessness. Yeah. Whatever you do, don't go get more tomatoes. Wait. Let the tomatoes come to you. I don't know where I was going with that. That felt right, and then it just all fell apart. <laughs> but try this. Uh, these sessions that I do, People come with their obstacle, with the question, with the angst. Uh, I'm telling you, I've seen literally, not hyperbole, over a thousand times since COVID, I have watched people sit in silence, take a deep breath. I always say sink into, their, into your body. Stop talking and find it. Find the next step, find the pain, find the thing that's blocking, find the assumption, whatever it is. Get the clarity they were asking for. And the number of times when just inviting the person to not think, just to sit in the silence, the mind gets quiet, and it's right there. That's how it works. That's how it works. And it's a whole different kind of tomato. It actually makes you rethink what a tomato even is. So you can see why this thing, I'm in the middle of one of those, you know, slightly woozy, just slightly disorienting, but super clarifying, like, oh, something's dying. Something new wants to be birthed. Oh, I'm starting to see what it is. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you can see how uh, this episode, mm -hmm, that I was having trouble speaking, <laughs> suddenly became a whole new thing. Apparently, this is an episode about the, apparently, this is a tomato episode. So that's my hope for you. Yeah, that's my hope for you, is that greater alignment with the creational rhythms of on and off, in and out, push and pull, all those different things that make it so interesting, up and down, quiet and loud. Oh, yeah, that you find yourself going, oh, this, apparently this is a tomato. <laughs> yes, there you go. Grace and peace to you now more than ever.